0: the mm-hmm. moon.
1: Welcome back to Fundamentally Mormon. I'm your host Mark Lichtenwalter. This is part of the Zion's Redemption Radio Network. Today we're going to be reading The Great Announcement, Chapter 2 of Michael Adam, pages 1, or I'm sorry, pages 12 to 28. We'll listen to the reader program first, which is about 39 minutes long, and then we'll get into the commentary. Thank you for listening.
0: Adam. Pages 12 to 28 in the same year that plural marriage was publicly announced, President Brigham Young introduced another new doctrine. It concerned the Godhead and was soon to be spoken of as that Adam God doctrine. Even though plural marriage had not been very well received, perhaps even fewer members accepted this new concept in regard to Adam's deified sphere. This famous public announcement later became reinterpreted, declared a mystery, or a false theory, or was claimed to be a misword and dashed some even denying that it was ever taught by him. Long an item of speculation, the existence and role of Adam has been misunderstood and emphasized by world religions. The National Council of Churches apparently considered Adam to be the least understood, if not the least respected of all the ancients. More on the facetious side, it was reported that M. Dash, a film on the fall of man that mids Eve and portrays Adam as getting the apple from a vending machine, won a $300 prize for five high school students of street James United Church of Christ, Havertone, Par In a National Council of Churches filmmaking contest whose theme was Technology and Human Values. The Christian Herald. June 1972, p. 13. 13. Several years ago at an Indian convention in Salt Lake City, the Indians announced to the white people that Adam was created from red dirt. Nearly all churches are just as confused in their assumptions concerning the mystery of Adam's role in the creation and beginning of mortality on this earth. When Brigham Young arose that day to deliver his sermon, he did it to clarify all of the ridiculous bewilderment and theories among modern-day theologians and scientists. In preparation for that great announcement, President Brigham Young advised the saints at conference in Salt Lake City that end here is a place for you to teach great mysteries to your brethren, because here are those who can correct you this fault the elders of Israel do not fall into in this tabernacle although they may in private houses and neighborhoods when a man is capable of correcting you and of giving you light and true doctrine do not get up an altercation but submit to be taught like little children and strive with all your might to understand JD 147 Brigham was then suggesting that anything mysterious speculative or controversial should be tried, tested and corrected by the Church Presidency. He has been the closest associate of Joseph Smith, had learned many of the mysteries, and had received keys of detecting truth from error from him. This was the commitment of the Lord to the Church, and dash that new light and revelation would come, and it should come through the President of the Church. But this, new light, was not always very well accepted by the members, such as Brigham Young's introduction of the true identity of God and dash using an approach that was anything but secretive or restricted. 14. My next sermon will be to both saint and sinner. One thing has remained a mystery in this kingdom up to this day. Now hear it, O inhabitants of the earth, Jew and Gentile saint and sinner when our father adam came into the garden of eden he came into it with a celestial body and brought eve one of his wives with him he helped to make and organize this world he is michael the archangel the ancient of Ace, about whom holy men have written and spoken and dash he is our father and our god and the only god with whom we have to do Every man upon the earth, professing Christians or non-professing, must hear it and will know it sooner or later. January fifty, April the eighteen fifty-two.
1: I just have to say something. I so I don't really have time to do the full commentary today, but I did want to put out a program today, so I think I'm going to comment as we go along. I love this announcement. But let's look into it a little bit here. Michael, our father who became Adam, came into the garden with a celestial body with one of his wives. Now, how do you gain a celestial body and how do you do that with your wife? You have to receive exaltation. When Michael came into the garden, he was fully exalted with his wife. Michael and Ashura, or Adam and Hava, who we call Eve, were exalted beings who descended from a celestial throne and came down upon the earth. When Jesus says, I do nothing but what I've seen the Father do, Michael left his throne in the uh, in the in the celestial kingdom with one of his wives and came into the garden with the celestial body with his wife and they partook of the the mortal fruit in that garden and they descended from a celestial to a terrestrial level where they could have children because celestial beings cannot have children, not mortal children. But as they descended from a celestial to a terrestrial, terrestrial resurrection, they were able to have children and to create bodies whereby our father and our mother were able to sire mortal beings upon this earth. One of the mysteries that we'll go over as we're going through this book is that at the end of Michael and Hava's life they were taken up and translated as terrestrial beings And later on, the city of Enoch and then later on, the city of Salem would join with them. When the star appeared above Bethlehem and the three wise men saw it in the east, they went and they traveled and they went to Jerusalem because the star was over Bethlehem and Bethlehem and Jerusalem are about six miles apart. Although back then there were two separate cities. Today, Jerusalem so big that it just encompasses Bethlehem. But they went to the place where that star was because that star up in the night sky that they could see so bright was the city of God, the city of Enoch and the city of Salem that had joined together with the Church of the Firstborn up in heaven. And... It was Michael that came down and impregnated Miriam, who the Gentiles call Mary. And it was Michael who is the father of Jesus. This was known in the early church, but a lot of people have rejected this this doctrine as a theory or as speculation. But as we'll, we go throughout this book, we'll see that it was clearly taught in the, the early church. And that for some reason people have left it in the darkness and tried to speak out against it. And this is one of the things that I get on. Brigham Young was president of the church from uh, from 1845 to 1877 when he died. Longer than any other person was president of the church. And we proclaim that he was a prophet, seer, and revelator. And the church leaders today will say that a prophet... The prophet or president of the church cannot lead you astray. And Brigham Young clearly taught these things. Many other people in the church who were in leadership clearly taught these things. But the church today wants to say that that he led us astray in false doctrine. But then at the same time, they want to say that the president of the church can't do that. So which is it? Anyway, we'll go on with more evidence as we uh, explore the quotes of from church history now another thing i wanted to say is every time in this reader program it says jd that is journal of discourses so i'm going to fix that real quick let me see if i can do that uh i'll just have to pause it real quick Okay, I think I fixed it. Uh, So in the reader program, I can like um, add pronunciation. So I just put JD and I made it so every time it goes and it says JD quoting Journal of Discourses, it'll say Journal of Discourses. But anyway, here's more of the reading.
0: The stout wrote in his journal that Brigham Young again taught his doctrine in another meeting on the same day. Friday the 9th of April 1852, another meeting this evening, President B. Young taught that Adam was the father of Jesus and the only goddess, yes. that he came to this world in the resurrected body, etc., more hereafter, I see Stout Journal, volume 2, 435, Apostle Wilfred Woodruff wrote in his journal some of Brigham Young's teachings the day and quoted him as saying, April the 9th, 1852, I will now preach to you another sermon. There is one great Father and Head in all kingdoms, and so with us. Our Father in heaven has a tabernacle. He created us in the likeness of his own image. The Son also has a tabernacle like the Father. The Holy Ghost is a minister to the people, that has not a tabernacle. Who begat the Son of God? Infidels say that Jesus was a bastard, but let me tell you the truth concerning that matter. Our Father begat all the spirits that were begotten before any tabernacles were made. When our Father came into the garden, he came with his celestial body and brought one of his 15 wives with him and ate of the fruit of the garden until he could forget a tabernacle. Adam is Michael, a God, and all the God that we have anything to do with. They ate of this fruit and formed the first tabernacle that was formed. And when the Virgin Mary was begotten with child, it was by the Father and in no other way, only like we are begotten. I will tell you the truth as it is in God does not know that Jesus Christ, our elder brother, was begotten by our Father in heaven. It matters not if you are pleased. It will either seal the damnation or salvation of men. He was begotten by the Father and not by the Holy Ghost. When you go to preach and believe that Jesus Christ was begotten by the Holy Ghost, don't lay hands upon the ladies and then give them the Holy Ghost lest it begets them with child quoting Brigham Young, Journal of Wilford Woodruff, April the 9th 1852 Mm
1: -hmm. so when our father Adam at the end of his life which was actually just short of a thousand years When he came down and impregnated Mary as a terrestrial being, he impregnated her with his seed, which was from a terrestrial nature. And this is how Jesus is the only begotten, but that Father Adam actually sired many uh, telestial beings upon the earth. One thing interesting, God revealed to a man by the name of Ron Wyatt where the Ark of the Covenant is. And Ron Wyatt was able to find the Ark of the Covenant in Jeremiah's grotto, which is a tunnel system underneath the place where the temple once stood. And God sent an angel to Ron Wyatt and told him to take a sample of the blood that was on the right side of the mercy seat. Now... On the left side of the mercy seat is where the blood of the lamb that was sacrificed at Pesach was sprinkled every year. But the right side was left clean because that was for a future sacrifice. When Jesus was crucified upon the cross, there was the earthquake and the spear pierced Jesus' side and water carried the blood down upon the earth and down directly below the cross which is where the Ark of the Covenant is and the mercy seat was sprinkled with the blood of the Lamb of God even who we call Jesus Christ and when Ron Wyatt took a sample of that blood that was sprinkled there he went to the uh, some uh, laboratory in Jerusalem and when they reconstituted the blood that was dry to their amazement that blood was still alive which should have been impossible and they took and they they looked at the DNA and the chromosomes and the DNA and for mortal man we have twenty-three chromosomes from our father and twenty-three chromosomes from our mother. But this blood was impossible. There was only one chromosome from the father and twenty-three chromosomes. From the uh, from the the female the uh, maternal DNA, which should be impossible, but it wasn't. They were seeing it, and it was still alive. And those Orthodox Jews that were in that laboratory, they they said, "Ron, this is human blood." But this is impossible. Whose blood is this? And Ron testified to them that this was blood that was sprinkled upon the mercy seat, and this was Yeshua's blood or Jesus' blood. And in agony they realized that they had crucified their Savior and that Jesus was truly who he said he was. In the scriptures it says that that the blood testify or the the water, the blood and the spirit testify of God. It's in the New Testament, you can look it up. I'm not gonna look it up right now, but this testimony was a prophecy. This thing was a prophecy of the, the coming of this this blood that was still alive. When our father Adam impregnated Mary, he impregnated her with a man who was of celestial heritage, not telestial, terrestrial heritage. And this was necessary because as Jesus was going through the Garden of Gethsemane and taking upon himself the sins and transgressions of the world, it would have killed any other man, any one who was sired from a telestial father, a mortal father, but because our father sired our Savior as the waves came upon Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane as he took upon himself our sins and transgressions, it literally tore his flesh apart. And because he was of a higher nature, he was able to heal himself as each wave came upon him in excruciating pain that would have killed anyone else, but he was able to endure it. When he, after he died on the cross... On the third day was the day of first fruits, which was uh, Saturday night to Sunday night, which was the day that Mary saw him and thought that he was the gardener. And he said, Mary, and she turned and she looked and she said, Master, and he said, she, she ran to him and he said, hold me not, for I have not yet ascended to my father but go unto my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and to your father. Now, Mary Magdalene and Jesus were not brother and sister in the sense that, in a mortal sense, but because we are all of the children of Adam, Michael Adam is our common father he said touch me not for i have not yet ascended to my father but going to my brethren and saying to them i ascend unto my father and to your father that is michael and to my god and to your god that is jehovah your elohim now ether chapter 3 i've talked about this many times jesus appears to uh to mohanre moriankmer the brother of jared he says i've never yet appeared to anyone on the on the earth but but Jehovah had appeared. Now everywhere in the Old Testament it says the Lord your God. In the Hebrew it says Jehovah your Elohim or Jehovah your Elohim. So Jesus and Jehovah aren't the same person. That doctrine began to be changed in the 1880s shortly after the death of Brigham Young and now the modern church just completely rejects the idea that Jehovah is the father of Michael and the father of of Jesus, but let's get back to the, the Book of Mormon to just correct that doctrine. Because the early saints and Joseph Smith taught that that Jesus Christ and Jehovah were two separate individuals. Anyway, but getting back to the text Jesus did ascend to the Father that day. And because Jesus had broke the bands of death He was able to go to his father and raise him up from a terrestrial state to a celestial state again. The trust of the father in the accomplishment of the son is so beautiful to me. He came down, left his throne of glory, as a celestial exalted man with one of his wives to populate this earth and he required his son to do the work to pay for the, for the transgressions of the world and sin and death so that he and his wife and all of us can be forgiven of our sins and transgressions left his throne and jesus said i do not i do nothing except for what i've seen the father do and the father himself was a savior on an older earth now this is another doctrine that was once taught in the early church but it's called multiple mortal probations and i don't want to get too much into it right now but when john saw a new heaven and a new earth that is the next mortal probation the next eternal round of existence this earth will become a fire of seeing glass and god will create a new earth now god taught me one of the great mysteries is that in our level of resurrection unless we're exalted we are damned even in the celestial kingdom we're damned to not go any further in that state of resurrection but that if we put off our resurrection and go upon the new earth this earth becomes a pre-existence to that new earth, like our old home was a pre-existent world to this one. And we can go back into a mortality so that we can learn and grow and gain a higher resurrection. Now, don't you think it's interesting that Jehovah and three, three of his servants who had resurrected bodies went to Abraham and had a meal of meat and dairy with him and that those angels were able to go into Sodom and Gomorrah with bodies of flesh where the people wanted to have intercourse with them like they weren't spirit beings and this was before the resurrection and how is that possible It's because they were resurrected on an older earth but there are brothers just the same as you and I are brothers and sisters We are all part of the the family of Adam. And he is our father through the law of adoption, both physically and spiritually. He populated this earth with one of his wives, Hava, who we call Eve, who was Ashura. Anyway, continuing on with the reader program.
0: wife Eliza Snow was one of those who accepted this new revelation to the church and she later assisted in publishing a book entitled women of Mormondom which mentions the importance of this announcement when Brigham Young proclaimed to the nations that Adam was our father and God and Eve his partner the mother of the world and dash both in mortal and celestial sense and dash he made the most important revelation of the oracle to the race since the days of adam himself women of mormondom edward w talaj 196 when brigham Young's sermon was recorded it was sent to england for publication in church books it was first published in the journal of discourses and later in the millennial star. February, on the following two pages.
1: I just have to say that a lot of people don't understand what the Journal of Discourses is. The Saints in England had to have a way for for them to it's kinda of like the enzyme, it goes out to the world as a publication. Well the Journal of Discourses in the beginning was a publication and all it is is, that is a compilation of publications that were sent to England. Brigham Young was the editor of it. There's a lot of people that want to gaslight and try to lie about what the Journal of Discourse is because is they don't want you to know what's in them. But what it is, is a publication so that it was sent to England um, so that people could have the church talks from the leaders of the church in England. And later it was compiled into books. The same way you can go to Deseret Book or to the Church Distribution Center today and you can buy Enzyme for 2021 or maybe 2020 or whatever. I I have a bunch of the Enzymes and they're all bound into books. And all it is is that the Enzyme magazine is a publication to the world about doctrines of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And at the end of the year... They take all of the the magazines and they compile them and they put them into a hardbound book. And then you've got Enzyme Enzyme for whatever year it is. That's all these were. There's 28 volumes, I think, of the Journal of Discourses. They were church talks. Brigham Young was the editor-in-chief, so he made sure that the church talks were correct and then they would send them out to the members who had not yet gathered to to the uh, you know North American continent, especially to those who are in England still. That's all the Journal of Discourses is. And when people say, oh, that was misquoted or whatever, it wasn't. Brigham Young testified that everything in the Journal of Discourses was as good as scripture and that he was the editor-in-chief of it. The church doesn't want you to read it because there's so many damning things in it to show that there is an apostasy within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints with doctrines. They want you to read the correlated stuff that they put out. They don't want you to know about the history. They whitewash it and they hide it from you. Anyway, continuing on with the reading.
0: After its publication in the journals, President Samuel W. Richards, president of the mission in England and editor of the Millennial Star, commented. 16. The Latter-day Saints, Millennial Star. In dash, He would an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches in dash Rev. 2. 7. Group of dashes. No. 48. In dash 15. Saturday, November the 26th, 1853. Price one penny. Group of M dashes. Adam, our Father and God. From the Journal of Discourses. My next sermon will be to both saint and sinner one thing has remained a mystery in this kingdom up to this day it is in regard to the character of the well-beloved son of god upon which subject the elders of israel have conflicting views our god and father in heaven is a being of tabernacle or in other words he is a body with parts the same as you and i have and is capable of showing forth his works to organized beings as for instance In the world in which we live, it is the result of the knowledge and the infinite wisdom that dwell in his organized body. His Son Jesus Christ has become a personage of tabernacle and has a body like his Father. The Holy Ghost is the Spirit of the Lord and issues forth from himself and may properly be called God's minister to execute his will in immensity being called to govern by his influence and power but he is not a person of tabernacle as we are and as our father in heaven and jesus christ are the question has been and is often asked who it was that begat the son of the virgin mary the infinite world have concluded that if what the apostles wrote about his father and mother be true and the present marriage discipline acknowledged by christendom be correct Then Christians must believe that God is the father of an illegitimate son, in the person of Jesus Christ. The infidel fraternity teach that to their disciples. I will tell you how it is. Our Father in heaven begat all the spirits that ever were, or ever will be, upon this earth, and they were born spirits in the eternal world. Then the Lord by his power and wisdom organized the mortal tabernacle of man. We were made first spiritual, and afterwards temporal. Now he ate it, O inhabitants of the earth, Jew and Gentile, saint and sinner. When our father Adam came into the Garden of Eden, he came into it with a celestial body, and brought Eve, one of his wives, with him. He helped to make and organize this world. He is Michael, the Archangel, the Ancient of Days about whom holy men have written and spoken and dash he is our father and our god and the only god with whom we have to do every man upon the earth professing christians or non-professing must hear it and will know it sooner or later they came here organized the raw material and arranged in their order the herbs of the field the trees the apple the peach the plum the pear And every other fruit that is desirable and good for man the seed was brought from another sphere and planted in this earth the thistle and thorn the briar and the obnoxious weed did not appear until after the earth was cursed when adam and eve had eaten of the forbidden fruit their bodies became mortal from its effects and therefore the offspring were mortal when the virgin mary conceived the child jesus The father had begotten him, 17, in his own likeness. He was not begotten by the Holy Ghost. And who is the father? He is the first of the human family. And when he took a tabernacle, it was begotten by his father in heaven, after the same manner as the tabernacles of Cain, Abel, and the rest of the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. From the fruits of the earth. The first earthly tabernacles were originated by the Father, and so on in succession. I could tell you much more about this, but were I to tell you the whole truth, blasphemy would be nothing to it, in the estimation of the superstitious and over of mankind. However, I have told you the truth as far as I have gone. I have heard men preach upon the divinity of Christ and exhaust all the wisdom they possessed. All scripturalists and approved theologians who were considered exemplary for party and education have undertaken to expound on this subject in every age of the Christian era. And after they have done all, they are obliged to conclude by exclaiming, great is the mystery of godliness and tell nothing. It is true that the earth was organized by three distinct characters, namely Elohim and Michael, these three forming a quorum, as in all heavenly bodies, and in organising element, perfectly represented in the deity, as Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Again, they will try to tell how the divinity of Jesus is joined to his humanity, and exhaust all their mental faculties, and wind up with this profound language, as describing the soul of man, it is an immaterial substance. What are learned ideas? Jesus, our okay. elder brother, was begotten in the flesh by the same character that was in the Garden of Eden, and who is our Father in Heaven. Now, let all who may hear these doctrines pause before they make light of them, or treat them with indifference, for they will prove their salvation or damnation. I have given you a few leading items upon this subject, but a great deal more remains to be told now remember from this time forth and forever that jesus christ was not begotten by the holy ghost i will repeat a little anecdote i was in conversation with a certain learned professor upon this subject when i replied to this idea and dash if the son was begotten by the holy ghost it would be very dangerous to baptize and confirm females and give the holy ghost to them lest he should beget children to be primed upon the elders by the people, bringing the elders into great difficulties. Treasure up these things in your hearts. In the Bible, you have read the things I have told you tonight, but you have not known what you did read. I have told you no more than you were conversant with. But what do the people in Christendom, with the Bible in their hands, know about this subject? Comparatively nothing
1: okay I have to explain a few things so when in the temple endowment now I'm not going to talk about the signs and tokens okay but we are going to talk about some things that were taught in the temple endowment and I'm going to give you some correct understanding the Elohim are the mighty ones who are the exalted gods not one individual so when it says that Michael are that Elohim, Jehovah, and Michael created this earth. It was the Elohim, or the Council of the Gods, who instructed Jehovah, who was a Savior on an older earth, to take Michael, who was a Savior on an older earth, to create this earth. Yehovah, or Jehovah instructed Michael how to do the creation, but it was Michael that did the work. He is God, the creator, who Joseph Smith said is the father. When he came here to organize this earth as a celestial being, when he was put under the veil and he descended into the garden, he descended from a celestial exalted state with one of his wives to a terrestrial state. When they partook of the fruit of the garden, they descended from a terrestrial state to a celestial state so that Adam and Eve could populate this earth. At the end of their lives, they were re- translated back to a terrestrial state where they waited for the sun to atone for the sins and transgressions of the world. And then in that state of terrestrial resurrection, Jesus went to them and brought them back up to a celestial exalted state. In order for Jesus to become the only begotten, he had to be sired by a man who was of our terrestrial resurrection to a celestial being who was Mary. Now, this is really interesting because God does not break his laws. Now, God the Eternal Father sets forth the laws and the Elohim, um, they live them and they are guided and ruled by them, and our Father cannot break the laws of God the Eternal Father. So, when Mary came into mortality on this earth, she was already the wife of Michael. When she was in mortality, she was also married to Joseph. Now this is polyandry in its true eternal sense. That Mary was the wife of Joseph, but also because she had to give birth to the Son of God was also sealed to Michael as one of his wives. When Jehovah paid for the sins of his world, Michael was God the witness in that place. And when a new heaven and a new earth were created, Michael, as the witness, ascended to the, the state of God the Redeemer, and Jehovah extended, extended to the state of God the Creator and was a, an Adam to that earth. And, Jeho- and Jesus Christ was the Holy Spirit of that world. That was in the last world, which was the pre-existence of this world. Just like when John sees a new heaven and a new earth created at the end of the millennium, this world will become a preexistent to that world that will be in the next line of secession in the progression of the gods and the human family. Because Jesus paid for our sins in the Garden of Gethsemane and sealed that upon the cross, he became a perfect, exalted man with one of his wives, or many of his wives. And then in the next world that John talks about in the book of Revelations. The Elohim will instruct Michael to take Jesus to create this earth. And Jesus will become God the creator and will become an Adam. With one of his wives and they will become a an Adam and a Hava or an Eve. And God the witness, who is God the witness of this earth, would become a redeemer in that world. And so it is with the progression of the gods. And if you understand these things, it's the only way you can really understand the Adam God doctrine or true doctrine at all. Like, part of the reason why there had to be a restoration is so that these deeper things could be taught. Now, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has given up so many deeper doctrines because they want to be friends with the world. They want to have more converts. They don't want to be a peculiar people. And they think they're doing it to save the human race, but they're not. Because God doesn't care about quantity. He cares about quality. And in Genesis chapter 9 of the Joseph Smith translation, it is said that, "...when a people live all that I have commanded..." and they build Zion below, that Zion will come down out of heaven with the church of the firstborn. That has to happen in order for Adam and Undiamen to happen, and that ha- and Adam and Andiomen has to happen in order for Jesus to return. And, and what does it say? That the Son of Man will receive, all, all the prophets will give their keys back to Adam because he is the head of this family. He is God the Creator under the direction of Yehovah, our Elohim. And then when God, the creator, Michael, receives all the keys, he will give them to his son, who is our father, through the law of adoption, because when he paid for our sins in the Garden of Gethsemane and sealed it upon the cross, we become his children through the law of adoption. And in the next world, that world that John saw, that new heaven and that new earth, Jesus will be the father of that world. And he will be the Adam of that world. That is the Adam-God doctrine, which is true, and Brigham Young received it from Joseph Smith. And we'll get into that as we read through these pages we will see that joseph smith actually did teach these things and that it doesn't matter if the current leaders reject it today it is true doctrine so let's get on with this reading
0: 18 our father adam the extract from the journal of discourses volume 150 may start on some of our readers but we would wish them to recollect that in this last dispensation God will send forth, by his servants, things new as well as old, until man is perfected in the truth. Mill. Star 15, 780. The following note also appeared in the Millennial Star, referring to the conference which contained the teachings of the Adam God announcement. The elders and brethren assembled in the tabernacle, which was completely crowded. After the usual introductory exercises, President Young preached several sermons on various subjects, the Holy Ghost resting upon him in grand power, while he revealed some of the precious things of the kingdom. Mill. Star 14, 356. A few weeks later, President Richards again referred to the doctrine. Adam, the father and god of the human family, the above sentiment appeared in Starno. 48. A little to the surprise of some of its readers. And while the sentiment may have appeared blasphemous to the ignorant, it has no doubt given rise to some serious reflections with the more candid and comprehensive mind. A few reasonable and scriptural ideas upon this subject may be profitable at the present time. Then Adam is really God. And why not? If there are Lords many and Gods many, as the scriptures inform us, why should not our Father Adam be one of them? Mill. Star 15, 801. Because of this unusual doctrinal announcement, it caused no end of correspondence, conversation, and trouble. In order to cope with this barrage of inquiry and commotion, President Richards continued to write in defense of the doctrine. 19. It has been said that Adam is the God and father of the human family, and persons are perhaps in fear and great trouble of mind, lest they have to acknowledge him as such in some future day. For our part we would much rather acknowledge Adam to be our father than come for another and take with the devil is acknowledged father must have the rights and honor that belong to him. No man may ever expect to attain to more than he is willing others should enjoy. If these things have power to disturb the pure mind, we apprehend that even greater troubles than these may arise before mankind learn all the particulars of Christ's incarnation and dash by whom he was begotten the character of the relationships formed by that act, the number of wives and children he had, and all other circumstances with which he was connected, and by which he was tried and tempted in all things like unto man. Whatever may prove to be the facts in the case, it certainly would exhibit a great degree of weakness on the part of anyone to indulge in fears and anxieties about that which he has no power to control. Facts still remain facts whether kept or revealed. If there is a way pointed out by which all beings who come into this world can lay the foundation for rule, and a never-ending increase of kingdoms and dominions, by which they can become gods, we are as willing the Lord Jesus Christ should enjoy them all as any other being, and we believe the descendants of such a sire would glory in ascribing honor and power to him as their God. The apostle informs us that those who are redeemed shall be like Jesus. Not to say, however, that they shall be wifeless and childless, and without eternal affections. It should be borne in mind that these wonderful mysteries, as they are supposed to be, are only mysteries because of the ignorance of men. And when men and women are troubled in spirit over those things which come to life through the proper channel of intelligence, they only betray their weakness ignorance and folly mill star 15 825 20 in a diary kept by joseph lee robinson he noted his attendance at the conference where this subject was announced he writes attended conference a very interesting conference at this meeting president brigham young said thus Adam and Eve were the names of the first man and woman of every earth that was ever organized and that Adam and Eve were the natural father and mother of every spirit that comes to this planet or that receives tabernacles on this planet consequently we are brothers and sisters and that Adam was God our eternal father this is brother remarked was letting the cat out of the bag Jay Robinson Dolly, 102-03, this cat was mentioned in the minutes of a missionary conference in England a year later. Elder Thomas, Kathleen, Dash, they are lacking faith on the principle and Dash, the last cat that was let out of the bag. Polygamy has been gone over pretty well, that cloud has vanished away, but they are troubled about Adam being our father and God there is a very intelligent person investigating our principles and who has been a great help to the saints he is all the works, and can get along with everything else but the last cat and as soon as he can see that clearly he will become a mormon i instructed him to write a liverpool upon it star 16 482 Elder Joseph Paul and Dash, earlier to the principles recently revealed, we have not the least difficulty. If Adam being our father and God cannot be proved by the Bible, it is all right. Mill. Star 16, 483. Elder James A. Little N. Dash, I believe in the principle of obedience. And if I am told that Adam is our father and our God, I just, 21, believe it. Brethren, I feel well, and have felt well all the time. Mill, star 16, 530, prayers. Franklin D. Richards and Dash, concerning the item of doctrine Miller to by Older Caffel and others that adam is our father and our god i have to say do not trouble yourselves neither let the saints be troubled about that matter the lord has told us in the revelation which he gave through the prophet joseph january the 19 1841, and dash i deign to reveal unto my church things which have been kept from before the foundation of the world things that pertain to the dispensation of the fullness of times 124, 41. I would like to know where you will find scriptures to prove those things by, which have never before been revealed. Some feel their bounded duty to prove everything which belongs to our faith from the Bible, but I do not, and I will excuse you from all obligation to prove this from the old scriptures, for you cannot, if you try. You may bring much collateral evidence from the bible and other revelations that will dissipate objections and serve to strengthen the position but to directly and substantially prove it as the world requires and as we can first principles it will puzzle you to do it and from henceforth we may expect more and more of the word of the lord giving us instructions which are nowhere written in the old scriptures if we feel ourselves and teach the saints or the people generally that we are only to believe that which can be proved from the scriptures, we shall never know much of the Lord ourselves, nor be able to teach the children of men to any very considerable extent. If, as Elder Caffel remarked, there are those who are waiting at the door of the church for this objection to be removed, tell such, the prophet and apostle Brigham has declared it, and that is the word of the Lord. That is vastly stronger proof than Christendom can give for much that they profess to believe. Tell the saints that if this stone does not seem to fit into the great building of their faith just now, to roll it aside. You can help them roll it out of their way, so that they will not stumble, 22, against it while at their daily duties. And it will be but a short time till they will find a place in their building where no other stone will fit. Then it will be on hand or right, and will come into its place in the building with the sound of hammer or chisel. Mill. Star 16, 524. As editor of the Millennial Star and president of the European Mission, Samuel W. Richards, had the task of announcing... Clarifying and defending this Adam slash God doctrine. When he had finished his labors in England and had returned to the Salt Lake Valley, he was given this written memorial in the Star. Beloved President, it has fallen to your lot to preside over the British Saints at a time and under circumstances unparalleled in the history of the work in this country. The introduction of the law of celestial marriage, which in its operations will revolutionize all our political, religious and domestic arrangements, and the announcement of the position which Adam, our great progenitor, occupies among the gods, have marked your presidency as a special epoch in the history of the British mission. Mill Star 16, 629 The doctrine was not only written and preached by the leading authors and editors of the church but it was discussed in many meetings and schools in Dash, such as the School of the Prophets in Provo. From the minutes of that school came these views. 1. F. MacDonald M. Dash, I thought I would speak briefly in relation to Adam being our God. Since the year 1852 when the President first spoke on this subject, I have frequently endeavoured to reconcile what I have read with regard to this matter. I believe what the president says on the subject, although it comes in contact with all our tradition. I have not any doubt in my mind, but that, that 23 Adam is our God, who His God and Father may be. I have no knowledge. President Kimball spoke on this question recently and very plainly illustrated the character and relationship of our Father and God. Abraham Smith and Dash. I have heard President Young about the truth of Adam being our Father and God, but have never heard him argue the question at all. George G. Bywater and Dash, when I first heard the doctrine of Adam being our Father and God, I was favorably impressed and Dash enjoyed and held it as a new revelation. It appeared reasonable to me, as the Father of our spirits, that he should introduce us here. Minutes of the School of the Prophets, Revolt, Utah, June the 8th, 1868, 37, 38, 39, 42, TypeScript copy.
1: There's little doubt that Brigham Young and others had difficulty in teaching the doctrine Three years after this announcement, he reflected upon the general disbelief of the people by saying, quote, Whether Adam is the personage that we should consider our Heavenly Father or not is considerable of a mystery to a good many. Journal of Discourses, Volume 4, page 217. Again, in 1857, five years after the first announcement of the Doctrine, President Brigham Young replied, Some have grumbled because I believe our God to be so near to us as Father Adam. There are many who know the doctrine to be true. Journal of Discourses, Volume 5, page 331. Then again in 1873, which was 21 years after the first public announcement, Brigham Young again commented on the unbelief of the Mormon people on page 24 How much unbelief exists in the minds of the Latter-day Saints in regard to one particular doctrine which I revealed to them and which God revealed to me namely that Adam is our father and our God Deseret News june 18th 1873 so the modern leaders of the church will say that you know they've got all kinds of different excuses as to why you can't trust the journal of discourses but what about this like this is in the desert news the desert news with its editors and its you know whatever but That was June 18th, 1873, and that was five years or four years before the death of Brigham Young. But they're quoting Joseph Smith. I mean, sorry, Brigham Young. So for them to say, oh, Brigham Young never said that, oh, we can never find that. And they lie all the time. And we're going to get into that in this book. But there's so much evidence that it was taught in the early church, the early restoration, that for them to, like, gaslight and lie about it is just... I'm so, I'm so tired of it. I'm so tired of the lies. I, I'm going to go off on a little tangent. I study many religions. Um, When I was a younger missionary and when I, after my mission, I made it a point to study world religions so that I could understand where people were coming from. And I've continued to do that to this day. And so many different doctrines and beliefs are had by so many different people and it's sad, and people say, "Well, they can get real revelation, and they know by the Spirit that this, that, and the other is true." And then you go down the street, or in the same state, or maybe whatever, the same nation, and you've got people saying that they know that their doctrine's true, and these people know their doctrine's true, and it makes me sad because the whole world is in gross darkness. The things that they learn on the laps of their parents, they continue to think that that's true. And when I realized how much, how many lies there were, and how many things that I assumed were true, I had to like go back and say to myself, okay, well, I'm going to have to. Th- everything out and lay everything down what do I know what do I absolutely know by the spirit that I cannot deny I know that God lives I know that Jesus is the Christ I know that I've seen them I know that I've experienced so many miracles in my life where I can't explain them away. And I know other people have had those kind of experiences too, whether they believed in Catholicism or in some Protestant brand of Christianity or Mormonism. I know even Muslims and Jews have experiences with miracles because God loves us all. And when we run around and condemn other people because they don't believe like we do, like God wants us to love each other, even our enemies, even though those people that we think are our enemies. I don't know i I'm a little bit disheartened because, um last night, I was on a call, and I was listening to this individual talk about all of these things that he knows. And I was thinking about this other individual in one of my Facebook groups who's known me for years, and he thinks that I'm prideful because I talk about my experiences with Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, and I tell everybody who I am. And that's prideful. And it's sad because that's what the Jews said to Jesus. You know, basically, how dare you come in here the son of of a woman who wasn't married when she got pregnant you know you're a bastard and you think that you can tell us how great you are but it was true that Jesus was exactly who he claimed to be and like his whole thing was to teach people how to live the laws of God correctly and to be a witness for his father. And he was a witness. He was sent by his father. And the people wouldn't accept him. Because they wanted to do things the way they wanted to do things. Kind of like how Cain wanted to offer the things that Cain wanted to offer. And they weren't acceptable. Because it wasn't the way God wanted it to be. And people with this other guy. He's a fundamentalist. I'm not going to say his name. But like he's an independent fundamentalist and he walks by the light of his own knowledge and he's like you know he's not accountable to anyone except for god you know and he's going to do what he wants to do and he doesn't try to live united order he doesn't try or even talk about it he doesn't teach you know, and all of these fundamentalists that I come across, like, so many of them know so much. And these people in all the churches, everybody knows so much. But they don't do the things that they think God has told them to do. Like, what good is knowledge if you're not going to be obedient to the things that God has instructed? And I know that's not what we're talking about on this uh, on this podcast right now or this this program, but I don't know. I just I guess I'm just tired because, like, you know, I've been doing this for so many years, and for the most part, I mean, people listen. They probably think, well, this guy knows a lot, but uh, I'm not going to worry about. Whether or not he's seeing God or whether or not I should get baptized by him or whatever. And I'm not going to worry about living God's commandments until my church does it or whatever. But I don't know why I'm doing this. Is it so that you can be left with that excuse? You know, the remnant that Isaiah saw was a small, small number and... I know that the day will come when they will come out from among the Gentiles and they will be led by the Spirit to the safe place. And maybe it's just that, you know, this time in my life is just proclaiming my witness and teaching the people, and that's all it needs to be. But I know that there's so much more that needs to happen before Zion's redeemed And I just see all these people and they're so knowledgeable and they all know so much but they don't do anything about it. And then when you challenge their beliefs, they condemn you and they slander you and and hate you and I don't know. I guess I'm just getting to the point where I'm, I'm happy that God has given me this little farm. I'm really thankful for my job doing what I do, the fact that I can be a truck driver and not have to go further than 100 miles away from my house um, and not have to go up to, you know, the higher elevation mines because that in the wintertime is just ridiculous. I used to go up to Skyline by Schofield, Utah. It's like 7,500 feet is where the base of it is. And then you go up. 8,000 and something feet to where the portal is where the people going down into the ground or the other one is um, about 7,500 feet where the portal is but it's just high elevation you have to go up there in the winter time and it's always blowing and snowing and I'm just grateful for where God has placed me but I still feel this drive like I have to teach the people and I have to be a witness and you know what I don't want to be a witness anymore. I'm just tired of the rejection and I'm tired of being considered um, crazy. And that the things that I'm teaching are false doctrines. You know, and like this Michael Adam, Adam God Doctrine stuff, like, the mainstream members of the church will just throw me under the bus. I mean, that's why I lost my membership in the church because I believe the Adam-God doctrine. But here it is, and we're reading this, and there's so many things that they can't hide. I mean, this Deseret News article where the editor is, like, allowing this to go out, Brigham Young talks about this stuff, you know? So sick of the lies and I'm so sick of the dishonesty and I'm so sick of the the sloth of the people. What good is knowing a thing if you don't ever put it into practice? I don't know. Anyway, I'm sorry, I'm just getting off on my little tangents. I'm just I'm sad. I wish I didn't know the things that I know because things were so much easier when I was ignorant. but I had to go and read and I had to go and study and the only reason I did all of that is because I wanted to know the truth and now that I do know the truth I have to share it because God has commanded me for one but in the scripture it says that um, if somebody knows that That the enemy is upon them they don't say anything that the the blood of those that they should have warned is upon that person and this isn't an attack in a physical way but this is an attack in a spiritual way apostasy is an attack of the devil to lead people away from the truth and I love the truth and I love the light and I want people to see it and I'm so sick of the lies and I'm so sick of people thinking that I'm crazy just because I declare something I mean it's so easy to accept dead prophets because guess what dead prophets don't argue with you dead prophets don't tell you that you are wrong or that your theology isn't right or that you are in apostasy but the truth is that the whole world is in apostasy the whole world is in gross darkness and it's very few that even begin to comprehend the character of God or the truth and I hope that that people wake up but. You can argue with somebody tell you're blue in the face. And if they believe something, even if it's false, that's what they're going to believe. And it's really hard to get people to see anything different. You know, anyway, so let me just continue on with this reading. It was this general disbelief among the Mormons themselves, which caused Joseph Smith, as well as Brigham Young, so much apprehension and difficulty in teaching new doctrines. When the principle of baptism for the dead was announced by Joseph Smith, the Mormons themselves seemed to be the most distraught. See, they don't want, people don't want to be different. You know, people came to where Joseph was and they they knew that the Book of Mormon was true. They knew that Joseph was a true prophet. But then he introduces this crazy theory about baptisms for the dead. And that's what they thought it was. Oh, he's just having a theory, you know. And they didn't like it because they didn't want to be different. But the reason why God allowed a prophet to come upon the earth to restore the truth is because the truth had been covered up. And lies have been told. And things have been changed because the devil attacks everything. Everything that is good and right the devil goes after and anyone that begins to or try to proclaim the truth the devil goes after and he makes their life difficult <coughs> sorry if you're a threat to the devil's kingdom he's coming after you and if you're not a threat then then he'll leave you alone When the principle of baptism for the dead was announced by Joseph Smith, the Mormons themselves seemed the most distraught. Once plural marriage was hinted at in the sermon by Joseph Smith, in the afternoon he had to modify it because the pressure put upon him. It was this sort of mental reservation that caused the prophet to remark, There are a great many wise men and women too in our midst. Who are too wise to be taught; therefore, may, they must die in their ignorance, and in the resurrection they will find their mistake. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 309. See, if we're not willing to accept that we might be wrong, then then we can never be corrected. These people that run around and they think that they think that all of their theories are are the most correct theories that have ever been whatever and they have all this light and knowledge if they can't realize that that maybe they're not right in every little thing and, and accept the criticism of of people who are well meaning and look at different sides of the issue then maybe they'll never be corrected if they believe in error or a lie and I know that we all as mortals we we've got to continually guard against false doctrines and false beliefs because in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 it says all they who believe a lie receive strong delusion that they all might be damned because they did not love the truth In Maybe they're not damned to hell, but they're damned from progression. That's what damned means. When you have false knowledge, you can't go forward. If you think that that two plus two equals five, you're stuck. Until you figure out that two plus two equals four. You know, it's pretty pretty much that simple. It's line upon line, precept upon precept here a little, there, a little, and we've got to move forward by getting revelation for ourselves to make sure that we believe the things that are God's truth, not our truth. Continuing on, there has been a great difficulty in getting anything into the heads of this generation. It has been like splitting hemlock knots with a corn dodger for a wedge and a pumpkin for a beetle. Now, let me just explain that. This is Joseph Smith Still. A hemlock... The hemlock wood is really, really, really hard. Now, a knot in hemlock wood is harder than the wood itself, right? It's like the most hard. (laughs) And trying to get anything into this generation is like trying to split a hemlock nut with a corn dodger for a wedge. That's cornbread. Even if you dry it out, It's still just going to be cornbread. And a pumpkin for a beetle, what a beetle is, is a hammer. So you're trying to, this is, and I love this quote of Joseph Smith. He's, it's almost impossible to get anything into the head of a generation that thinks that they know everything. (sighs) Continuing on with Joseph Smith. Even the saints are slow to understand. I have tried for a number of years to get the minds of the saints prepared to receive the things of God. But we frequently see some of them, after suffering all they have for the work of God, fly to pieces like glass. As soon as anything comes that is contrary to their traditions, they cannot stand the fire at all. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 331. Now, for those of you in the future, today is the first day of winter 2021. It's December 21st, 2021. And um, recently I posted something about how people lying about Santa Claus to their children is harmful because when they find out that Santa Claus isn't real you know they begin to question their parents and like if their parents are telling them about jesus christ but santa Claus is mythology or a lie then maybe jesus is a lie too and like it's just why do we lie to our children like i don't mind people doing the whole santa claus thing but don't lie to your kids And I I put this post up on Facebook, and people are just defending Santa Claus and lying to their kids, left, right, and whatever. And they're defending their traditions because that's what they loved. Well, I mean, my family, we have our own traditions, but we don't lie to our kids. Santa Claus is fun. I'm not gonna say that he's Satan you know just because uh, he might come from some there's some things in in uh, pagan cultures that we get f- everything that isn't from God is pagan by the way but like I'm not gonna say it's wrong to go have your kids like sit on Santa's lap you know and and do that sort of stuff and whatever but don't lie to your kids. That's a problem. You shouldn't lie to your kids. That's an offense God talks about, offending the little ones. They trust you so much and you lie to them because of a tradition. And I don't get it. And maybe that's because I see everything in black and white. Like there's no gray with me. Like at work, <laughs> I'll talk about my work. I'm a truck driver. There are rules. I have to follow DOT regulations, state and federal regulations, Mine Safety Health Administration regulations, I'm sure, OSHA regulations. There's rules at the mine, there's rules at the power plants. And I try to follow those rules. And I was kind of joking with my wife the other day. I live my life as if somebody's watching me all the time. And we were kind of laughing because we'll be out in the middle of nowhere driving through the desert or the country or the mountains or whatever. And at the middle of the night, nobody's even around nowhere. And I'll use my turn signal. Because that's the rules are the rules even when nobody's looking <laughs> You know, if if my kid finds twenty five cents on the ground I tell them to leave it there because that doesn't belong to them and that somebody who dropped it might come and pick it up later. You know, if the, if they come back five days later and it's still sitting there, obviously they're not gonna come back, but like I just see things in a certain way and I'm very black and white in my my thoughts and in the way I try to live my life. Anyway, when President Brigham Young made his first public announcement about the Adam God Doctrine, he must have felt this same disbelief and mental reservation in the people. He knew the restraints upon him, and three times during his discourse, he inferred as much said he, quote, and this is on page 25 of Michael Adam, but here's the quote. I could tell you much more about this, but were I to tell you the whole truth, blasphemy would be nothing to it, in the estimation of the superstitious and the overrighteous of mankind. However, I have told you the truth as far as I have gone. Treasure up these things in your hearts, in the Bible, you have read the things I have told you tonight, but you have not known what you did read. I have told you no more than you are conversant with, but what do the people in Christendom with the Bible in their hands know, of, uh, know about this subject? Comparatively, nothing. I have given you a few leading items upon this subject, but a great deal more remains to be told. Journal of Discourses, Volume 1, page 50. And like, once again, I get to the point where, what point, what was the the purpose of having a prophet restore the truth? The Book of Mormon is a sign that, that Joseph Smith is a prophet, but what does, what's the point? in a restoration if we already had all the truth when when the prophet reveals things like in the lecture at the grove or the, the king full discourse and it doesn't it's so much more than you ever thought well there's a reason for that because those things were lost And to restore it maybe means that you may not have known about it to begin with. The doctrine of Adam God was never very well received, nor was it firmly established among among the accepted doctrines of the church. As a whole, the laypersons had either shrugged it off in disbelief or quarrelly disagreed it it. Uh, disregarded it as speculative doctrine and they still do today a few of the leading elders of Israel accepted it and taught it and believed it but it was generally too controversial as Brigham Heber Roberts or B.H. Roberts explained as a matter of fact the Mormon church does not teach that doctrine A few men in the Mormon Church have held such views, and several of them quite prominent in the councils of the church, like the apostles and the prophet of the church, all except for uh, maybe one or two. But I thought that the leaders of the church can't lead you astray and if the majority of the Twelve and the First Presidency believed it, And it was bad doctrine, I I guess, like I say before, Mm. maybe they could, maybe they can all lead you astray. Maybe every single one of them today and from yesteryear can lead you astray. You know, and like, it's good to realize that because then you begin to get away from following mortal man on the earth and making an idol out of the prophet and the apostles and you actually go to God for yourself and you find out what the truth is for yourself but what's the point of the restoration if we're just going to give up the unique doctrines that have been restored to us in the early years of the foundation of the church so that we can be like the rest of the world what's the point of the restoration if we just give it all up because it doesn't sound like Christianity. Apostate Christianity. Brigham Young and others may have taught that doctrine and that was uh, B.H. Roberts and that was recorded in Deseret News July 23rd, 1821 but Deseret News had Brigham Young talking about You know the reality of it before. Anyway, but according to B. H. Roberts, this doctrine should bring no shame to the Latter Day Saints. He explained, "Quote: Some of the sectarian ministers are saying that we Mormons are ashamed of that doctrine announced by President Brigham Young, to the effect that Adam will thus be the God of this world. No, friends, it is not that we are ashamed of that doctrine." if you see any change come over our countenance when this doctrine is named, it is surprise, astonishment that anyone capable of grasping the largeness and extent of the universe, the grandeur of existence and the possibility in man for growth, for progress should be so lean of intellect as to call it in question at all. That is what our change in countenance means, not shame for the doctrine Brigham Young taught. So he's he's actually admitting yes. Brigham Young did teach this. Anyway, that's in uh, Mormon Doctrine of Deity by Roberts, page 42. <clears throat> We're getting pretty close to the end of this chapter. Number one, B.H. Roberts also recorded two... Oh, it's B.H. Roberts. That's there's another typo here. B.H. Roberts also recorded two very interesting entries in his notebook, further substantiating this doctrine. They are reproduced in the, his original handwriting on the following page. And then there's a picture. As mentioned in the previous quote, a few men in the church did contribute additional testimonies to Brigham Young's teachings. Heber C. Kimball, first counselor to Brigham Young, bore his testimony about the doctrine by saying, quote, I have learned by experience that there is but one God that pertains to this people. And he is the God that pertains to this earth. The first man, that first man sent his own son to, to redeem the world. Journal of Discourses, volume four, page one. And that was Heber Heber C. Kimball from an editor of from the an editor of the Millennial Star. Let's see. It says here, and this is Millennial Star, volume 17, page 195. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is the God of the whole earth. Then will the words of the prophet Brigham, when speaking of Adam, be fully realized He is our Father and our God and the only God with whom we have to do. Once again, that's in the Millennial Star, Volume 17, page 195. Songs published by the Apostle F.D. Richards carried the same inclination. This is page 27 of the book that we're reading. Two pages of the notebook of President B.H. Roberts concerning Adam. Oh, and there's a picture in you know, I can't show you the picture, but anyway. So page twenty eight. We believe in our God, the great prince of this race, the Archangel Michael, the ancient of days, our own father Adam, and this is a hymn, okay? A hymn in the early church. Our own father Adam, Earth Earth's Lord in his plane. Who, who will counsel and fight for his children again. We believe in his son, Jesus Christ. We believe in Adam's son, Jesus Christ, who in love for his brothers and sisters came down from above to die, to redeem them from death, and to teach to mortals the spirit, the gospel we preach. And that's... Uh, That comes from Sacred Hymns and Spiritual Songs for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, 1856, 11th edition, page 375. Franklin Richards continued to promote this doctrine, quote, Not only the Old and New Testaments and other ancient and modern revelations through the holy priesthood assert the fact, but mankind in every grade, condition and religion, whether Christian, Jew, Mohammedan or pagan, all believe in leading personages or influences which are the source of good and evil. One of these is God, the father, Michael or Adam, from whose loin the earth is peopled and who is now laboring for the redemption of his children. Millennial Star, volume 17, page 785. So the announcement had been made, the cat was out of the bag, and published in the church papers, magazines, books, and in its sacred songs. But it did not draw much enthusiasm, nor did its proclamation bring any particular rejoicing among the saints. If anything resulted, it was a new search into the scriptures and doctrines of deity, trying to understand this new revelation. Candles would burn a little longer. Minds would reflect a little deeper. It was their God that was being discussed. So when we come back, we'll be in chapter 3 of Michael Adam, starting on page 29. And that chapter is called Blood and Mortality. So. Anyway, that's the program. It took me two days to do it, and then I'll start working on the next one. So thank you, everyone, who does listen to this podcast. I really appreciate it, and I will post this on uh, my Facebook group. I will post the links in the program where you can go read this for yourself, both at ogdencrowd.com, and also just this chapter will be on tumblr.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon and uh, I don't know in a couple days probably I'll have it posted up on YouTube as well so anyway thank you everyone for listening and thank you for being patient with my rants and my I don't know just being upset the way I am sometimes so anyway but it is what it is and I don't know what to do to change it I can, I can only I can only tell you. I can only bear my testimony and share my witness. And, you know, I didn't used to do that. From 2003 to 2013, I didn't really talk about it too much among people unless I really knew them. And it was like, The spirit was testifying to me that I should talk to them or tell them my witness. And sometimes I would talk about it in the third person, kind of like Paul did when he said, I knew a man in Christ above 13 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body. And he was talking about himself and his own experience being caught up to the third heaven. And I used to do that. And there's a video on YouTube of me doing that, you know. I know this guy and I talk about the experience as if I was the third you know as if somebody told me the experience but it was my experience these things are the things that happened to me and it wasn't until God told me exactly who I am and why I was called and he told me to be bold with my witness and now I'm bold and people think that I'm prideful and I'm boasting and I'm lifting myself up and I'm going to fall greatly and whatever. And they'd say the same thing about Jesus in their day. But Jesus was exactly who he claimed to be. And I'm exactly who I claim to be. And my witness is true. And i leave that with you in the name of our Messiah and in the name of our Father. Amen.